by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I believe God wants to speak a special word into your heart today. He wants to change your life forever. This will be a turning point for many of you today. Father, you know why we're here. You know what your goals for today are. Help us have hearts that are tuned in, ready to receive and ready to do what it is you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been in a series, and like many times, I don't know, a, a, a message turns into a series because after I finish that message, the Lord continues on, and we're continuing on in a series called Bold Life. We've been speaking about being bold. Does everybody remember that? And I'm telling you, if you don't get some boldness, oh, I hear some lions out there. If we don't get some boldness, if we don't get a roar in our life, we're going to be run over by the devil. We're living in strange times. Today is part three, and it's called compromised or complimenting. And that seems to be the course of the world. Either we're compromised with it, or we're complimenting to Jesus. Um, had somebody share a testimony with me earlier in the week, and I thought I'd get them to come up and share just a little bit about how this bold teaching has impacted his life already. Mr. David Abrams, give him a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you, David. Good morning. It takes me to be bold to come up here so so um, at, at my job I work at Baptist DeSoto um, and it's it's customary for me to do a huddle uh, every morning with my with my team and um, so we haven't done it in quite a while we've I've been short-staffed and it's just been really busy so it's been it's been a good minute and I had the opportunity to do it last week I don't know if it was a Tuesday or whichever day I had messaged you um, and so it's customary for me at the end to pray for my team. So as I was doing that, I, um, I felt a word of, of something for somebody. And so I, almost before I could even think, but I felt the spirit of boldness, and I spoke out what I had felt somebody was going through. So somebody was going through something. Um, and I, it was without going into specifics, but it was something that definitely whoever it was they knew that it was them. So I finished the prayer and everybody started getting going and I went back to my office and then all of a sudden a few of my team members come to me and say, you gotta come, you gotta come. So I ran out and it was one of my team members and they were crying so I brought them to the office and I said, what, what's going on? You know, I had no idea what was going on. And they said, what you said when you prayed, that was me, that was for me. And so, keep looking at my wife because she helps me to chill out. So. So, uh, so we, we went through a process of praying. I just prayed for her. And then even as we were talking to her in my office, I felt the Holy Spirit just giving me some things to say to her and to speak into her life. Um, and, and God really did something that was such a deep-seated pain in this person's life 
going back their entire life, and I say their entire life, I mean 39 years. So um, Jesus obviously loves her and had something that he wanted to say to her, and thank God that he just kind of pushed that boldness out of me to just speak even before I even was thinking or could have hesitated. Um, but sometimes he may give us that moment to step into that boldness. So thank God he pushed me into that. But sometimes he may, you know, just ask you to be bold in, in saying something to somebody. And, when, and we all know when we have the Holy Spirit saying something in our, our hearts that can minister to it in their lives. And I'm sure we all know how it feels not to do it. It hurts, you know, afterwards. So it just praise God that, you know what, we know Jesus. And a lot of people are hurting so bad, they won't even tell anybody. And the Holy Spirit knows. Sometimes we pass people and the Holy Spirit, no, we don't know, but the Holy Spirit is like, man, I want to move through this person, my vessel, to speak into that person's life. But maybe they're caught up in their own thing and, but I appreciate I've been coming to this church now for, I think it's four Sundays. Um, and since we've been coming here, and since Pastor's been speaking about boldness, things have been happening in my job, actually, where I spend most of my time. Um, and just one, one more thing is what's interesting is that after that happened, the rest of my week, I was experiencing so much attacks. And you know why? It's because the devil hated that I was walking into what the Lord was, you know, leading me to do. So, so don't be surprised at the, at the attacks that come at you afterwards. But I do know that God will uh, give us double for our trouble. So that's, I just wanted to say be bold and, and roar. Okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. So basically what I'm hearing is, is, is you got a, you was operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You got a word of knowledge and you spoke it out and then she came to you and you got to operate in the word of wisdom where you had wisdom for her circumstance. And see, those are gifts that God has for his body and we can all walk in those if we have the boldness to, to step forward and say, God, here I am. Use me. Could you lift your hand right now and say, God, here I am. Use me. Amen. Well, there's a book in the Bible called Daniel. Daniel was a young Hebrew boy, and he had uh, three friends, and their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their Hebrew names. And uh, they were Jewish boys, but... They lived at a time where the Babylonians took over, and they began to rule, and they, they uh, took away these four young men and put them in the service of the king. They noticed, it was kind of a compliment, they noticed that they were good looking and smart, and they said, we would like to use these fellas instead of kill them like we killed a lot of the other ones. <laughs> would you rather work in the king's house, or would you rather die? <laughs> and so they gave them the option, and so uh, this... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you may know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Or you may have watched Veggie Tales, and you know them as Rack, Shack, and Benny. We'll call them Rack, Shack, and Benny for short today. But they gave them new Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, they went into the king's training, and it was a three-year program. They had to teach them how to speak Babylonian. They had to teach them, they began to teach them about the literature and all the, 
the ways of being a Babylonian. In other words, they were indoctrinating them into a new system. Well, these were good Jewish boys, and they already had a system. They already had a God, and they already had a word of God that they wanted to follow. And so the first thing their, their handler says, we're going to have to start you know, eating the king's food, eating his meat, and drinking his wine. And being kosher, you know, Jewish, they have a certain dietary program, and they were like, we can't do that. He said, well, you're going to do that or die. And they said, well, how about you give us 10 days just to try vegetables and water, and then at the end of the 10 days, you know, if, if we don't look as healthy and as strong as the other people in the program, then we'll eat the king's meat or whatever. And so the guy agreed. And then after 10 days, guess what? They look stronger, they look more healthy than the ones who are eating the king's delicacies. Why is that important? You can imagine being carried away captive into a foreign land. I think for myself, well, you know, I'd probably be thinking, well, now I got an excuse to do things I didn't get to do before. I get to eat meat that I didn't eat before. I get to drink wine. I get to do all the things that everybody else is doing. It's not, after all, it's not my fault, right? I got carried away captive. It's not my fault. I have to. And I think about the world today as we see the world. It's like the whole thing's carried away captive to the devil. And it's like there's every excuse in the world for us to eat the meat, and drink the wine of the world. And to compromise in every regard. After all, it's not our fault. I mean, you know, I was born into this. This is the way everybody does it. But the important thing was, was these four had enough integrity. And they had enough love for God in their heart that they were willing to stand up to the system. Stand up against the current. When everybody else was like, hey, you know, let's go along. Let's get along. Let's all just do the same thing. And these four men said no. And it was, you know, the first decision that they made to not go along. But it wouldn't be the last. It's not, living, it's not easy to live out your faith in a pagan culture. Now, we were, we were born in a Christian nation, but I don't think we're considered a Christian nation anymore, are we? I would say we're more of a pagan culture these days. And a lot of people who would have classified them Christian, themselves Christian before are finding themselves, well, I've got every excuse to just do what the world's doing. But that's not what God is after. And that's not what your heart is after. You know that's not what you were called to do. You were not called to fit in, to blend in. You were called to stand out and to stand up as men and women of God, even at the risk of your own detriment. In Daniel 1.8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine that he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Later, we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, and Benny, they were asked to bow down and worship a golden idol 
They didn't. Later, we see that Daniel was asked to stop praying to his God. He prayed. You see, one little decision. If you're faithful in the little decisions, it was just eating meat. I mean, sure, we can compromise a little bit. I mean, it's just eating. It's just, we're just the dietary laws. That's not a big deal, right? Well, it was to them. See, a little compromise opens the door to, well, you know, we're eating the meat and drinking the wine. We might as well bow to the golden idol. You see where I'm going with this? We need to make, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I wrote this. It's rather long, but you know me. We're living in an increasingly godless society. Now, I already said this. People would rather fit in than stand out. They'd rather virtue signal than love. They'd rather be woke than awake. They look to all the wrong standards to make them feel good about themselves. They pick out their own preachers and their own news stations. And they create virtual lives instead of real ones. Each one of us in our own pocket carries a zombie maker. And typically along with it enough credit cards to keep us in financial bondage for the rest of our life. There's 8 billion people almost here on the earth, but yet we feel isolated and alone, even in the crowd. We're living lives void of purpose, raising children to think that soccer is more important than church, wanting them to be Christian-like, but going into great debt, paying college professors to turn them against God. Some and many claim to know Christ, but do not take up his cause. They know the house is on fire, but they keep it to themselves. They know the bridge is out ahead, but they don't even warn their own family. They're busy playing violins on the Titanic and wondering why the lifeboats aren't filled. The world has become an assembly line churning out whitewashed tombs. Those who look good on the outside, but are full of dead man's bones on the inside. Houses built on shifting sand. Who will refuse its delicacies? Refuse to eat the king's meat and drink his wine? Who will have something more to offer than, I said the prayer, I'm good, right? I believe today that you're here because you want to endure till the end. I believe you're here today because you want more than the, this world has to offer. You're tired of fool's gold. You want to walk the streets of gold. You're tired of these little K-kings, this little G-God of this world. You're ready for more. Am I in the right house today? Jesus said, he who stays faithful to the end. And if we're going to stay faithful to the end, we got to start right now making some decisions 
because I can tell you this world isn't getting any brighter. Does anybody remember what the key to boldness was last week? It was that Christ's love controls us. We act like we do because we love God and because His love compels us. Christ's love is our motivating factor. It's our why, loving God, His people, His purposes. That's why you should be here today, not to, to check off that I went to church this week, not to clock in, but it's because I want to be that virtuous person. I want to be that man or woman of integrity. I want to endure till the end. Christ's love controls you, I believe. This week, one of the main keys we're going to look at is found in 1 Timothy 1.18. It begins like this. Cling to your faith in Christ. Say that. Cling to your faith in Christ. That's going to be our major key today. Is to stay in faith. Let Christ's love control you, and we got to stay in faith. The, the, the world mocks us. It says we cling to our guns and our Bibles. Well, I don't know about the guns, but I'm clinging to the Word of God. That's for sure. They say it's a crutch. You're just weak. Well, you're absolutely right. I need it every day. I'm not ashamed to admit it, that I am weak without Him. Without Him, I'm nothing, can do nothing. I do need help. I was born wretched and poor and blind. But because of this, now I begin to see. Now I begin to walk in the light as he is in the light. And I begin to, to be a lighthouse so that others can follow the way. I begin to be able to speak the truth. And the truth will set them free. I begin to get bold like David. And watch God use me and begin to live that more abundant life that Christ talks about. There's more to life than we're living. I'm telling you, there's more to life. So cling to your faith. Cling, hold tightly. You've got to value it like something that you know you cannot take this from me. When social media is trying to, to get you to compromise, no, you're not taking my faith from me. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. You know, there's a scripture that says you can sear your conscience like a hot iron. You keep doing something over and over. Well, I'm good, you know. I, I, I keep saying I'm sorry, but I'm getting a little deeper every time I do it. Well, I'm going to say I'm sorry, and God will, God will it's sloppy agape, greasy grace we're trying to live in. No. Cling to your faith. Don't, don't let your conscience be seared. Let your conscience be affected by sin. It should be affected by sin. And from darkness. We should know the difference. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciousness. Live that greasy grace. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. I'm talking about people that thought they were good. People that used to come here, but now we ain't seen them in two years. I ain't talking about you, Anthony. 
Anthony has moved, moved away from us, but Anthony, I'd like to introduce you to Anthony. He was one of our children in our children's church and moved up, and he was one of the youth when me and Angie were working the youth. And he's here today, and we're so excited that you came. Give him a round of applause for coming today. He hasn't changed a bit. I, I seems like you could still be in the youth department, Anthony. He's 26 years old. We're going to get you to move back up here, Anthony. Yeah. I call him Big Red because when we used to ride in the bus to the, to the youth camps, he'd be drinking those red drinks with all that sugar in him. He'd be all wired up, you know. <laughs> we had some fun, didn't we? Yes, sir. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, how many believe you're living in the last times? That in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith, and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. You know the thing about being deceived? Is that you don't know you're deceived. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You better ask somebody. More, more than likely, they can see that you're sliding before you do. You'll be following deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. How do you check yourself? Against the Word of God. And one thing, I'm just going to give you some keys to wisdom, to boldness, and to, to living and making it to the end today. One of them is make firm decisions on the front end. Don't ask yourself, is it right to look at pornography after you got the magazine already open? Am, am I telling the truth? I mean, you got to make firm decisions on the front end. And the way to make, the best way to make a firm decision is right here. God, I come before you. I don't want to be that person. I'm being tempted to do things I shouldn't. God, please help me with the best of my ability, Father. I will not cross that line. I will live holy for you. You make a firm decision on the front end. It's, it's much harder to cross that line when you've already told God that's your intention. That's a, that's a key to wisdom. That's a key of wisdom right there. So, yes, we cling to our faith. And we're moved by our hope, and we let Christ's love control us. Faith, hope, and love. The Bible doesn't talk about these things for no reason. We see the Apostle Paul spent his life in service to the Lord. In Acts 14, 22, it says he was strengthening the souls of the disciples. You see, it's in your soul where you make all your decisions. It's in your soulish realm that you have a free will. Your emotions are at play. Your decision making is valid. But I'm here, like Paul, today to help you strengthen your soul. Your spirit wants to do the right thing if you've been born again, but your flesh, <laughs> no. And your soul, in between your ears, is where the decision making is made. So strengthen. The part that you're responsible for. Paul went around strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, keep doing the right thing. When is it a good time to do the right thing? 
always. Continuing the faith, saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. You see, he didn't lie to them. And I'm not lying to you as your pastor. I'm not saying that you, you follow Jesus and everything's just going to be rosy. And nothing's ever going. I'm preparing you for the days ahead. I try to be honest with you. Things are going to happen, but I would rather happen with Jesus in my corner than riding on the back with the devil. He exhorted Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 16. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. He says, pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development. Have any, is that, have those thoughts ever come to anybody in here? Because I hear a lot of people say, well, that's just my personality. That's just who I am. Well, you know that can change, right? You know it could get better. Concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching. You say, well, oh, I'm, I'm exempt from this scripture because I'm not a teacher. Oh, really? I thought we were all called to be ambassadors for Christ. I thought we were all called to be disciple makers. Like David, taking those people under his wing and praying. Being able to speak into people's lives. That's disciple making. That's teaching. So pay attention to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold on to them. Once again, cling to these things. For as you do... You will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. You'll lead people to Christ for eternal salvation, but you'll also save people from many troubles, many heartaches, and you'll also save yourself from many pains that you didn't need to suffer, the wages of sin, you know. We must not dishonor Jesus by refusing to take up our cross. We do have a responsibility. This ain't heaven yet. This ain't the rest period. This is the valley of the shadow of death. But we must walk through it, not set up camp in it. He leads us through the valley. He's getting us somewhere. Colossians 1.24 says, Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Once again, he's not just telling you the, the flowery, part, flowery, part, flowery parts. I got stuck there, didn't I? The, he's not telling you the pretty part. He's telling you the whole counsel of God's word. He is preparing a people for the obstacles that they will face ahead. Not just fleecing the people. And he says, what? And I think in the King James it says he, 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 he takes up in his body the suffering that was lacking in the body of Christ or in Christ. And I thought, there was nothing lacking in Jesus. But he's not saying that. He's saying that the work continues. The work continues. Jesus did his suffering for, for, the, for us. 
But we are supposed to not just suffer. I'm not just talking about sickness and disease and being beat down or whatever and just suffering because of sin in our life. I'm talking about suffering for the body of Christ. You see, Paul was being whipped, beaten, stoned for preaching the gospel. He was giving up his life on this earth that he may find it. He was giving up all the treasures earthly treasures for a heavenly treasure to come. You see what I'm saying? And in that suffering, he was taking up the sufferings of Christ. He was seeing a bigger picture, that this light affliction is but for a moment, but it worketh for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. We have to, as Christians, if we're going to be prepared and prepared to stand firm until the end, we have to understand that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we have to be willing to make up our mind on the front end. As for me and my house, I will follow the Lord. No matter what comes my way, whether it's the lion's den or the fiery furnace, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. There's people indoctrinated like they tried to indoctrinate Rack Shack and Benny and Dan but there's also many of you that are like me that spent many of your years in the world learning the world's ways that's all I knew now I need to be de-indoctrinated is that a word it is now I need to be unindoctrinated to the world's ways. Some of us, we learned it, and that settles it. It's never going to change in our minds. But once again, what if some of the things you still believe are wrong? How will you know if you don't search the truth? And if you search the truth and just say, well, I don't believe that part, then you've made yourself, you've put yourself as an idol above God. Your word is more important than God's. No, as believers, we, we settle it that this is the counsel of God. This is the, the truth. And everything in my life is subject to what it says. That is how we must live. Because we can be deceived. I'm telling you, come on somebody. You know how deceived you can get. You need to be de-indoctrinated from the world's ways. Just because grandma said this and grandpa said that. We must actively purpose to know and apply the truth if it is to set us free. That's another key. You got to know it. Are you just going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes along. You're just going to, the wave's going to carry you wherever it wants to. But, you know, you're supposed to be standing on solid ground. You're supposed to be building your house on a rock. And this is the rock. This is how you build a life that will stand in the end, built on God's word and God's truth. And you must apply it. Just knowing it, but not doing it, is not enough. Romans 12, 2 in the Amplified Version says, Do not be conformed to this world, 
Do not be molded in. Do not settle for the things of this world. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Because why? They change them every week. You know, they'll tell you bacon's good for you, and then by the end of the month, another article will come out and say it's bad for you. They're superficial values and customs. They're man-made. But be transformed by progressively or and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. There's an idea. Let's not just rest on, I got saved 20 years ago, and I still need you to feed me with milk every Sunday. How about let's grow up? And begin to read the word of God for ourselves, and let it change us and spiritually mature us. And we do this by renewing our mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is. How about we prove it for ourselves? How about we see what the word of God says and we do it and we watch what happens? And prove it out. And you'll find what is good and acceptable and perfect. And in his plan and purpose for you. Many people come to me today and say, what is my purpose? I don't know my purpose. I don't know God's plan. Well, you be faithful in the little bit that you do know. And guess what? Your eyes will be open and doors will be open before you. Pretty soon you'll be stepping in to God's plan for your life and his purposes. So the Hebrew boys that we talked about refused to go along with the world's latest and greatest absurdities. And they clung to their faith. And the book of Daniel expands over a, a period of 70 years. So it was lifelong. Not all of these stories happened within a, you know, a couple of months period. This is, this, is, this is a lot of humdrum. And how many of you know that life is a marathon for most people? Some people are shooting stars and go quickly, but the rest of us, sometimes it's been like five years, six years before anything's changed. I'm praying this and it hadn't happened yet. We have to, it, that may be the hardest part of Christianity. That might be why so many people fall away because over time they just, they don't have patience. They don't let patience have their perfect work. They don't learn to live content with the things of God. And they want more. And, and they're not willing to wait on God. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. Doesn't it say? So this is a, a marathon. But the good news about mo most times is, say, you've been in a ditch for five years. Well, hey. Climb out of the ditch and start living for God again. And those five years will be forgotten in the length of your life. You can be forgiven and move on. You see what I'm saying? We go through seasons. I don't know what season you're in, but this is just the season that God sent this silly pastor to try to wake you up. <laughs> just, this, is, this, is the season that, this is the season that I'm telling you, check yourself. Get back to the Word of God. Prepare yourself for the days ahead. And if, if, you know, you're not in a good position, God forgives. God forgives. He certainly does. Thank you, Jesus. 
So what happened when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying to his God? God shut the mouth of the lions. Daniel was in there doing his fingernails, waiting to get out, waiting for breakfast, you know. And the lions are sitting over there starving to death. I would like to get him, you know. And they couldn't open their mouths. What happened to Rack Shack and Benny when they were thrown into the fire furnace, fiery furnace? Nothing. King Nebo, Nebuchadnezzar as the Bible calls him, he said, how many did we throw in there? Three. Well, how come I see four? And one of them looks like the son of God. You see, God will get into your fire with you. He'll be in the lion's den with you. You say, but you know, I used to believe that God was going to deliver me from all my stuff. But then so-and-so had cancer. Or this happened and they didn't get delivered and I believed and I stood. Well, what, what did Rakshak and Benny say to King Nebo when he told, demanded that they bow down and worship his God? In Daniel 3.18, he says, Our God is able to save us, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We just ain't doing it. And that is the firm decision that we need to make. I'm not doing it. I don't care. Okay, so we, a lot of people come from a word of faith movement where, you know, if you have enough faith, you can get what you want, right? If, if you have enough faith and if you're not getting what you want, if you're, if you're not getting healed, guess what? You don't have faith. You don't have enough faith. But what if God, for his own purposes, it's looking for people who have the Job kind of faith. What if God is looking for people who even if they don't get what they pray for on this side, still believe in the goodness of God? Are you going to believe God even if he doesn't deliver you? Are you still going to stand for God after you've lost a loved one, you don't understand why this happened. You see, real faith transcends just getting your way. Is he good when you don't understand this terrible thing happening to you? That's faith. And I can promise you, brothers and sisters, that in the end, You'll get your justice. All accounts will be settled in the end. And you will see that this light affliction, though it felt like forever, was just for a moment. But it was working for you a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. Hold on to your faith. Do not bow the knee to the golden idols of this world. Do not stop praying to your God no matter what they say. Faith is believing God's good and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him.
Guess what happened to these four Hebrew boys? I mean, they had to get on the king's nerves, right? They were always saying no to the king and yes to God. Surely he killed them in the end. No, they rose to levels of prominence in Babylon. They were the leaders that he could trust. He even... The worldly kings recognized integrity when he saw it. Realized that God was with them. And they rose to the highest positions of leadership. And you know what? Since they didn't bow to the king's gods, the king bowed to their gods. What would happen? If the church stood up and became the church without spot or wrinkle, real sudden light. How quickly could we win back America, the soul of this nation? After Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2.47, and the king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries. This is the king who could, at his whim, have anything he wanted. He felt like he was a god. He had, people, he had a golden statue made to himself and had people worship him. But he, out of his own mouth, said, truly, your god is the greatest of gods. After the fiery furnace, in Daniel 3, 28, Nebuchadnezzar said praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree if any people, whatever their race, nation, or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no God who can rescue like this. The king shaking his head. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. <laughs> Thank you, God. King Darius, who was a later king, a Persian king, I think, or you know, he was a Mede, who was... You know, they were, the, the kingdoms were being switched from, from Babylonians to Persians and Medes. Anyway, uh, King Darius, when he went to the lion's den in Daniel 6, 26, he said, I decree that anyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. See, they don't understand anything about free will. They just want to impose their way. That's the way the world understands things. Okay, if your God is the real God, we'll make everybody worship. We know that can't happen. God gave every man free will. We'll, <laughs> we'll tear their house down. We'll tear them limb for limb if they don't. You know, that's the way they're trying to get us to do their will. They're trying to force us to say this, to force us to wear this, force us to shut down because our way is the right way. He says, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. 
He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. That's how you get people saved. They see the power of God in your life. Through your integrity and your faith and your unwillingness to compromise. Daniel's faithfulness to God was instrumental in God's overall plan. You think your life doesn't matter. Daniel's just one man. These are just four Hebrew boys. But through their acts of faithfulness, they were able to bring about a change in a whole worldly uh, empire. Through the kings uh, de declaring that their God is the true God. A, a change of heart in the nation. And it paved the way for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. You remember that the Babylonians had destroyed and taken them captive? They had destroyed Jerusalem in the process? Well, who remembers the story of uh, Nehemiah rebuilding the walls? Who remembers the story of Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple after this? God was going to bring his people back together. He, he, got his, he let his hands off of them because of their sin, and they were carried away captive, but he told them, I'm going to bring you back together. Who was instrumental in doing this? Changing the king's hearts. Four simple Hebrew boys who refused to bow the knee. Two years after Daniel died, King Cyrus not only allowed, but he funded the rebuilding of the wall and the temple and the bringing back of the Jewish people to their homeland. We must live like there is a greater cause than our own. We must understand that if God asks of us a certain thing, to live a certain way, to maybe give up some of the things we want, we don't get everything we want on this side. If things don't go our way, but we're in God's will, we have to understand that He is using our lives for a greater good. It is not supposed to be about us. We died so that we might live for him. Daniel, uh, Derek Samper says, Will you be standing for God while all others are bowing before idols? That must have been difficult. They would bring this golden statue out into the field, and all the people would come out, thousands of people around, and they would play the music, and when you play the music, everybody's supposed to bow, and everybody hits their knees, and all of a sudden, cricket, cricket, you're the only one standing. Everybody's, what are they doing? Why are they different? You're starting to feel it at the water cooler at work because you've taken a stand for Jesus in a world where nobody takes a stand anymore. You're starting to feel it. You're starting to feel the fiery furnace heating up at your school. It's hard to stand. When nobody else is standing. He said, will you stand when everybody else is bowing for idols? Will you still bow before God when you're the only one? Will you bow before Jesus if everybody rejects him? That is the kind of things we need to be thinking about now. Like I said, you might have got to make your decisions on the front end or when it comes time, the temptation 
you, you won't stand. You got to know. You got to know what boundaries you won't cross. You got to know who I am and whose I am and what lines I won't cross. In the last words of Daniel's book, God prophesies to him in Daniel 12, 13, in the last line, he said, As for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of your days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. He's not saying, go your way, Daniel, just do your thing until the end. No, he's saying, go your way. Go the way. Daniel, go the way. And then at the end, you will receive the inheritance that I have set before you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is there, is there a hint of a roar being worked up in here anywhere? Does anybody get excited? Does anybody get excited about the things of God like we ought to these days? Has this just become a church experience? Are we just going through the motions? You better choose this day whom you're going to serve. You better choose right now because it's not going to get easier out there. You might as well go on and say, I made up my mind. These are lines I won't cross. I, as for me and my house, we will serve none other but the King of Kings. And, you, and another thing, we better check ourselves every, every so often. Because you know what? Walking through this world, things just begin to cling on to you. It's so easy to find yourself deceived. Or, no, it's not easy to find yourself deceived. It's so easy to be deceived. And so we've got to check ourselves. What areas of my life am I moving away from God? Because I want to move back towards God. I've got to have this fire if I'm going to make it to the end. I have to rekindle this fire all the time. And that's why the altar is here. The altar is where they cook the barbecue, man. That's where they brought the sacrifices, and that's where they cook the meat. Sometimes you've got to drop the world's meat off up here at the altar. and Stop eating the world's meat and drinking the world's wine. You got to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. What kind of life are you going to live? When Jesus comes, do you want to be shrinking back saying, I'm, I, I know Jesus, I know, I know? Or are you going to just run and grab his feet, kiss him, and wash his feet with your tears of joy? And hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Yes, there is coming a day. There'll be no more tears of sorrow, except happy tears. There'll be no more pain and suffering, no more hospitals, no more death and dying. That's where we keep our focus. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. Looking past the misery and the shame, looking ahead to that day, keeping his eyes on the prize. When you're running the race, man, your legs are 
wanting to revolt. They want to, they want to run, but to run away. Your lungs are burning. You're sweating. And all the things in your body are saying, this is too hard. This is too hard. I want to quit. And if you begin to listen to those voices, you'll never get to the end of the race. You'll never win the prize. And we're supposed to run as those who want the prize. So I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to open these altars. I'm not saying, you know, come up here and admit you got a bunch of sin in your life. I'm just saying, let's judge ourselves and say, okay, there's areas of my life that I'd like to make a fresh commitment. If there is sin in your life, come up here and, and, and ask for forgiveness. Go ahead and play a little music for me or something. But this is the killing place. Let's let off the sin and the weights that so easily beset us, and let's begin to run our race like the free men and women that God made us to be. Let's cast off our cares. Let's let go of the things that are not really from God. Let's, let's take a moment. Just You don't have to rush up here. Let's just take five minutes, say. Close your eyes. Begin to get with God. Say, God, show me areas. And when you get those areas that you know he's dealing with you about, be bold and come up here and drop it off. You don't have to stay long. Just tell him, I'm dropping this off, God. I'm dropping this weight. I'm dropping this sin. I'm, I'm making a fresh decision. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.